You might think the life of a marine scientist would be all microscopes and splashing gently around in the briny with dolphins, but researcher Clay Bryce's expeditions aren't for the faint-hearted. He studies marine life in the Kimberley, which involves all sorts of risks, diving around in murky mangroves, keeping a walleye out for crocodiles, boats flipping in high tide and picking up specimens like... My particular favourite this week, the cesspit sea slug, which excretes a chemical that can burn the skin from your hand. Hello, Clay, and welcome. Good morning. Uh, good afternoon. <laughs> Just a couple of hours later. The cesspit sea slug, it sounds vicious. Oh, he's quite a harmless little fellow, really, but uh, he does have some nice uh, ways of defending himself. Tell us about those. Well, I've brought two specimens in here. One of them is a thing called four-school sea slug, and the other one's uh, the cesspit sea slug. Um, rather unfortunate name for a rather fantastic creature, it really. It looks, and uh, we'll, we'll get a photograph if for the website. It's a live it, um, it, 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 Gee, it looks weird. It looks a bit like a... That's a, the cesspit, it, and it, this one here is the four-school sea slug. And what they do, they're, they're sort of evolutionarily advanced, more so than a normal It looks like a brain. Shell. It looks like a brain. It does. Is it, it does. all brain? In, a, in its own little way, I suppose. In its own little way. Um, an ordinary seashell has a shell that protects it. These guys have decided that they don't need a shell anymore, so they're a bit more evolutionarily advanced than a normal marine snail, and that they use chemical defence. They'll excrete chemicals. And the cesspit sea slug emits a, a whole range of nasty chemicals, really nasty chemicals, in a mucus matrix so that the chemicals don't dissipate into the water. You can't wash them off. Well, it takes a lot of scrubbing to wash it off. Um, and if you if a fish bites it, well, it'll immediately spit it out and get its mouth burnt. Um, if you handle it too much and it gets a little upset, it'll excrete all this mucus all over your hands. And if you leave it on there or rub your face, it will burn a lot. Um, it will hurt. Um, whereas this guy, four-school sea slug, admits he, he secretes sulfuric acid. Excellent. I'm just, honestly, the possibilities, Clay. I've <laughs> been playing a, a series of practical jokes just between you and me on uh, our drive presenter, Russell Wolfe, and, and I think, you know, he's, he's, he's planning on paying me back, so I'm just thinking, you know, if he gets really out of line this year, oh, you're a bit fond of your sea slugs, eh? <laughs> well, you know, I don't want to see them getting a bad name. Do you think that's over a the bad top? Rap. <laughs> I don't think they deserve a bad rap at all. Well, I, mean, you know, I don't know. I think that might give them a good rap. Well, if you think about these little guys crawling around the... Well, they're not so little, actually. Cesspit gets about 25 centimetres in diameter. It's a big slug. Great name. It is, isn't it, though? I mean, that's what people thought of it when they first saw it. They thought, well, what are we going to call this creature? I don't like the look of it. It's a nasty piece of work. Yeah, I'll call it a cesspit slug, you know, which I thought... not re- Without really getting to know the animal. I mean, without knowing what it can really do. I can see you're defensive. I can see you thinking, you know, it's 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 got warm, fuzzy bits. But it doesn't, does it? I well, mean, anything <laughs> that can defend itself in such a hostile environment yeah. so passively. One of our listen, listeners likened it to um, to a woman in a bad mood. Said they've seen they've well, seen women's women's uh, women. Um, with uh, women's tongues can do just about the same well, sort of work. You rub either up the wrong way yeah. and I'm sure <laughs> um, most men will know what it's like. <laughs> so tell us what it is like to be a rugged marine scientist roaming around the Kimberley. Oh, look, I've, I think I've had a charmed life. I really have. I've worked for the museum and for 30-odd years and been a lot of times to the Kimberleys, which is where our current project is now. Um, we've got a big project funded by Woodside Energy and we get to go up there and we get to look at all the old historic data that we've collected in the past. We get to go and do new data 
um, with two trips, uh, one last October and one this next October. So we get to go up there and play around on the reefs and go diving and look in the mangroves and look on the under rocks and find well, it all the animals. sounds fabulous, but when you're going roaming around mangroves, you're also roaming around crocodiles. Well, you are. There's crocodiles and there's lots of sharks underwater. In fact, I think the sharks are more of a problem than the crocodiles. But Have you had any encounters? Uh, over the years, a few. Yeah, a couple of um, close encounters. Um, what the shark thinks about the close encounters or the crocodiles think about it is another matter. Whether they consider it to be a close encounter as well and got a fright, uh, it's a bit hard to tell. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I'm, I am terrified of sharks, and but I don't think I've ever seen anything. I've only seen the crocodile in the Perth. The zoo. I have been around the mangrove swamps around the Kimberley, and I've, I have kept. I assure you, a very close eye on whether there's. A, they're all yeah. predator, aren't they? They're just. They are incredible. When animals. you see them underwater, they're so graceful and, and big. You know. Yeah. Um, but they, they're a little bit of an unknown quantity. We're used to diving with sharks. We're used to treating sharks. You know, you know they're in the water, so you don't worry about it. Most divers don't. But the crocodile is a little bit different. And in the early days, we used to go up there and wade around the mangroves up to our waist and we'd carry a gun, which nobody wanted to carry because it was too big and heavy, and we never used it. We weren't allowed to carry it loaded anyway because that's too oh, dangerous. well. But if a crocodile came, hang on a minute, I've got to load the gun. Yes, I have a gun, crocodile. Yeah. yeah. Back so off. Use it as a club more than anything. Mm. But they soon got left behind. But we never really had a trouble with crocodiles in the early years. But it's only recently, I guess, from the mid-'90s that because of the popular population of crocodiles is increasing so much that now when we go up, we have to take seriously the threat of crocodiles. So we don't dive a lot in sort of in river mouths or around mangroves anymore. We used to do that, but we don't anymore. It's just a little bit too risky. Do you know why? Well, because the crocodile population has oh, increased. You know. Is it the food, lack of food supply? No, no. It's just um, if there's more crocodiles and we're up there working, then there's more chances of an encounter. And... In the old days, those halcyon days where you could go on the field, you just went and do your thing and there was no Oc Health and safety issues. But now Oc Health and safety looms big and large on all our trips and we have to be very careful how we treat our staff. We don't want anybody eating. doesn't look very good on your annual report, does it? No, and the paperwork's a killer. Sure. Let's face it. It's a... <laughs> you don't want to go there. <laughs> they move so fast. I have never seen anything. They look so heavy and cumbersome. I don't think I've ever seen anything move as fast as a crocodile, though. They can sprint very quickly. If you... You know, we've had a couple of funny instances with crocodiles. We were one day we were up there, um, waist deep in the mud on the Hunter River, and we had a little zodiac boat sitting in the, the small creek behind us with a, a guy who had a an ulcerated leg, so he couldn't get muddy. He, so he sat in the boat, and there was a colleague and I waist deep in mud. And I looked around to ask him to throw me another vial because we were collecting little animals on the mud. And when I looked around, there was a big croc had just come up next to the zodiac. And I said to, to the guy in the boat, "Ah, oh, there's a croc here." So he jumps up. And he's got the gun and he's waving that around and both myself and the colleague in the mud just had to go flat first in the mud. We were more frightened <laughs> of the guy with the gun than the crocodile. <laughs> oh, no. But that sort of gives you an inkling of what it was like back then. You didn't often see the crocodiles, but when they came, they certainly gave you a fright. But I think we were more scared of ourselves than anything else. Blundering around. <laughs> Blundering around. You know. That's why they don't let you load the guns, Clay. Probably, yeah. You know. um. A caller has uh, rung in, Peter, to ask whether the specimens that um, you, you've bought in, the venomous, poisonous sea slugs, are a type of sea cucumber that were popular among Indonesian fishermen. Is there any relation? No, it's not, actually. They're a totally different phyla. The sea cucumber, um, which is what they often call a sea slug, um, which is a, a poor common name, 
the often called tripang or biche de mer, um, which is what he's talking about, which is what the Indonesian fishermen target for the Asian markets as a, a food condiment. Whereas these sea slugs that we've got here, the real sea slugs, are actually mollusks. If you think about the slugs in your garden, uh, they're a mollusk, they're a shellless mollusk. So these sea slugs are again shellless mollusks, but they live in the sea. The common term of calling a sea slug well, the Holothurian sea slugs is a is a poor way to describe the Holothurians, if that sort of answers your question. It does indeed. It answers Peter's question. And we're um, very pleased to talk to you today. Well, can you tell us about, you're giving a, a, a lecture, can you tell us about where it is and how people contact you? Well, yes, there's a, I'll be talking at the James Street entrance to the museum, at the WA Museum at 12.30 tomorrow. And that'll be on a general work we're doing in the Kimberleys um, and, and all the historic work we've done there and what we're doing now. And this, we'll be doing the same lecture again down at Fremantle at the Theatre at the Maritime Museum at 6 o'clock uh, tomorrow night.